He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer and our king. Amen. A year ago, I stood in this pulpit and I preached about how God's kingdom is not of this world. I used Pilate's interrogation of Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? You say that I am. I used that to juxtapose the world's expectations against God's expectations. The sermon ended with a staccatoed refrain that emphasized the kingship of Jesus and our allegiance to his kingdom. I said something like, the world tells us to gain all we can, Jesus tells us to give all we can. The world tells us to seek vengeance, Jesus tells us to seek forgiveness. The world tells us to destroy our enemies, Jesus tells us to love our enemies. The world tells us we are the center of the universe, Jesus tells us that God is the center of all things. The world tells us to ignore the weak, Jesus tells us that the meek shall inherit the earth. The world tells us that death is the end, and Jesus tells us that death is only the beginning. I didn't think it at the time, but it was a pretty political sermon. After all, making the claim that Christ is our king is a political statement. But what I didn't anticipate was how the words from that sermon would play out over the next 365 days until now. We're told not to mix politics with religion. Political opinions and religious beliefs are supposed to be kept in the private sphere, and they are things that we can think about on our own time, but the world has no right to interfere with either. Except for the fact that the world interferes with both all the time. We hear about things like the Christian coalition and the need for Christians to take back the Supreme Court. I even get emails about what the church is going to do regarding local school board decisions. What should the church do about building a new courthouse? We hear that the church is not supposed to be political. We shouldn't endorse particular candidates or platforms. We shouldn't tell people how to vote or even to vote at all. The church can't be political in the sense that it can't be Republican or Democrat. But the church itself is a politic. To be part of church, to be part of the body of Christ, implies that our worldview is changed and therefore everything else changes as well. Like many Sundays throughout the liturgical year, this one has a special focus and significance. However, Christ the King Sunday is a more recent addition to the Christian calendar. Whereas Christians have celebrated the likes of Monday, Thursday, and Pentecost, and Ash Wednesday for a very long time, Christ the King Sunday was only established as an official day in the church in 1925. It took the church 1,900 years to need this day the same way that we need it now. I don't know if you know, but in 1925, the first time we ever had a Christ the King Sunday... Mussolini had been head of Italy for three years. A loud insurrectionist in Germany named Adolf Hitler had been out of jail for a year, and his Nazi party was growing rapidly in power. And the entire world 
was suffering under a Great Depression. Yet despite the rise of autocratic dictators, despite the lack of economic opportunities, despite the strange and uncomfortable pause between World War I and World War II, Christ the King asserted, and still does, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he shall reign forever and ever. Throughout the last Christian year, from Christ the King to Christ the King, we've read from Genesis to Revelation. We've encountered the living God from the stories of creation to redemption. We've been transformed by the living grace of God. And all of this, all of the Sundays, all of the sermons, all of the scriptures have pointed to one thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the thing about Christians. For us, everything starts and ends with Jesus. In his letters, Paul addresses this strange and beautiful quality of Jesus over and over again. And rather than trying to accommodate Jesus to the ways of the world, Paul calls for all Christians to put Christ first. Yet Christ is a king of a kingdom that is so different and so far from what we're used to that putting Jesus first is really hard. In Jesus' kingdom, the rules and the ruler are different. All assumptions about what is important, about who we are to be, about what we are to care about, have been changed. It's like being deported to a strange new land where everyone else is speaking a new language. It takes time to learn the lingo, to adapt to the habits of the people around us. It's not a simple matter of fitting Jesus into our present way of thinking, nor is it just giving an hour of our week to attend worship in a church. We don't fit Jesus into our lives. Jesus fits us into his. We are the ones transferred, moved, deported from one kingdom to another. We move from the kingdom of consumption to the kingdom of communion. From the kingdom of popularity to the kingdom of poverty. From the kingdom of destruction to the kingdom of deliverance. From the kingdom of competition to the kingdom of cooperation. Everything about what we think and what we know and what we understand changes. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. The last two weeks have been rather tumultuous in this place called the United States of America. Economically disenfranchised people are afraid about the potential of losing their health care coverage. While at the same time, some devastated Democrats are calling for the murder of Donald Trump. Muslims are being threatened with a registration, much like the Jews were forced to register in Germany prior to World War II. And at the same time, Trump voters are being physically assaulted across the national landscape. Immigrants are cowering in fear over whether or not they're going to be deported. And at the same time, countless protesters are flooding the streets of cities and the pages of social media with the declaration, Not My President. And of course, some are berating and demeaning the crowds for their rejection of Donald Trump as their president, as if this is the first time that people have ever rejected the president-elect in the United States. It was only 16 years ago that t-shirts and bumper stickers were mass-produced with pictures of George W. Bush accompanied by the words, Not My President. It was only eight years ago that Confederate flags were waved during protests after Barack Obama won the election and people were chanting, not my president. Well, thanks be to God that Jesus is not our president. 
For if Jesus were our president, we would have to pick him to lead us, and we never would have picked him to lead us. We would never, ever willingly elect someone who told us that the first is going to be last and the last is going to be first. We would never elect someone who told us to sell all of our possessions and give the proceeds to the poor. We would never elect someone who told us to open up all of our borders and let every single refugee in. We would never elect someone who spent so much time with the riffraff of society. If Jesus were our president, he would be a product of the world rather than a product of God's incarnation. He would have to make promises to the rich in order to maintain economic stability. He would have to compromise with world leaders who treat their citizens like dirt. He would have to second-guess the stories and the parables he told out of fear that he would not be re-elected four years from now. If Jesus were our president, he would have to make us promises that he could never keep instead of being the glue that keeps all of us together. He would have to take sides in political debates and ostracize entire communities. He would have to brag about the stability of our union rather than name the brokenness that is keeping us from really being who God is calling us to be. He would have to order the extermination of particular individuals and communities in order to keep our country safe. Thank God Jesus is not our president. Jesus is our king. And instead of electing him, he elected us. The kingdom Jesus rules is not of this world, and it forces us to confront how broken our world actually is. Jesus, as our king, subverts the powers and principalities and shows us a new way. In this broken and flawed world, we see and we know God because we see and we know Jesus. Jesus, the image of the invisible, the very beginning of everything in creation. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. When we encounter things that appear diametrically opposed, things like Republicans and Democrats, Christ is the glue that holds it all together. Through the blood of his death, the blood that was poured out for the whole world, we encounter the other as brother and the stranger as sister. All the worldly things that seek to divide us are broken down by the glory of the cross that seeks to bring peace and reconciliation rather than division and destruction. It is not an easy thing to be Christian. It is not an easy thing to worship Jesus as our king. We need the strength of God to endure everything with patience while giving thanks to the Father because we cannot do discipleship on our own. But when Christ comes first in our lives, when every Sunday is like Christ the King Sunday, when we realize that we are part of a strange new kingdom, everything else starts to change. For our King, the one we worship, does not build walls to keep people out. Our King does not require the registration of different communities under the auspices of safety. Our King invites Everyone to his table. Our king does not call for his followers to take up the sword to wipe out political opposition. Our king forgave the people who killed him and delivered him to a cross. 
Our king does not pander to us with empty promises in order to procure our allegiance. Our king meets us where we are and has a simple invitation. Follow me. Nearly 100 years ago, Christians all across the world needed the first Christ the King Sunday. They needed a Sunday set apart to reflect on how the lordship of Christ outshines even the most powerful of dictators and the most devastating of depressions. And today, we need it just as much. We need Christ the King Sunday because it helps to remind us that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It forces us to confront the strange reality of our king being nailed to a cross for the world. It reminds us that peace comes through sacrifice. A sacrifice that we remember every time we gather at this table. So do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but instead be transformed by the bread and the cup of our communion. Instead of consuming politics and the priorities of this world, be consumed by the grace of God made manifest in Jesus Christ. Reject the powers and the principalities that seek to undo God's creation and instead kneel before our King, Jesus the Christ. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.